Welcome to Beside the Burn for Wednesday the 1st of September. We're into a new month and we're continuing our studies in the meals with Jesus at this meal that Jesus is about to have with the disciples at Emmaus. So far, Jesus has joined them on their journey. They've been discussing what has happened in Jerusalem, that being the death of Jesus, and also the prospect of a resurrection that these men are not really believing in. So today we're going to continue the story from Luke chapter 24 from verse 25 down to verse 29 and Jesus is beginning to explain to them what is happening. Jesus said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So if you remember, the disciples have almost accused Jesus of being quite foolish and not realising what they were talking about. And Jesus comes back at them gently but forcefully to say how foolish you are. That the foolishness is on you. You are the ones who don't understand what's happening here. And you need to understand so that you realise who Jesus is and you realise that he is the one who has been sent. And Jesus accuses them of being slow to believe. Now, this isn't any sort of implication here that they are slow mentally. Instead, the, the literal translation here is that they are slow of heart. In other words, they have failed to orientate their hearts to the things of Jesus. And whenever we fail to open our heart up to Jesus, then he just becomes an academic exercise. He is someone that we learn things about, but we don't get to know. Whereas if we open our hearts up to him, if we orientate our hearts in his direction, then we love him, we desire him, we want to know more about him, and we're ready to listen to him. So then the question is asked in verse 26 by Jesus, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? In other words, you're saying that because he suffered and he died, that you don't believe that he's the Messiah, the promised one. And Jesus is saying, well, look, is that not the very thing that had to happen? And therefore, rather than disproving your hypothesis is actually proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And the question here is asked in such a way that you expect the answer, yes, well, yes, of course he had to suffer. But these two men don't want to give the answer yes. In fact, yes is as far from their position of thinking as it's possible to get. They want to say no. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things? No, he didn't. He, he should never have had to suffer. And yet Jesus is saying, yes, look at it. The Messiah had to suffer. And Jesus is saying to them, look, once you understand that the Messiah, that the Christ is going to suffer, then everything else starts to fit into place. And he's then going to enter into his glory. And that is God overturning mankind's verdict on Jesus. In other words, mankind has taken Jesus, the promised one, the one who's been sent, and crucified him. 
And God then takes him and he enters into his glory and reverses everything that mankind has said about Jesus and reveals it. Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one, the Christ, the one who is going to redeem. And now he is being glorified by his Father. And Jesus then says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself and i said on sunday that i almost imagine jesus taking a, a sigh here and just going oh, right we're gonna have to do this we're just gonna have to go back to square one we're gonna have to start at the very beginning and we're going to have to um, go right through the old testament explaining why jesus had to suffer and i just said they're back to square one i just discovered this week where that phrase comes from and the idea is that whenever football was first being commentated on on the radio, you had somebody who was describing what was happening. You know, this player is passing to that player and they're shooting on the goal. And then you had another commentator and the pitch was split up into squares and they would say the number of the square where the action was happening and you would have the same grid in front of you and you would know then where the ball was on the pitch. And the goal was in square one. And whenever the uh, team that was defending would take the ball back to the goalkeeper, he would say, well, we're back to square one again. And the goalkeeper would pick up the ball and then they would start to build another attack. And so they're going back to square one. And I imagine that's what Jesus is saying here. OK, we're going to go back to the beginning. We're going to go back to square one and we're going to take this in. And it, Jesus is saying, if you understand scripture, then this will make, begin to make sense to you. And he's not doing anything spectacular here. This isn't some brand new revelation that's never been said before. It's just saying to him, look, understand the Bible. And the idea, I suppose, is if you think about the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where the rich man wants to send somebody back to his um, family and his friends and, and warn them about the impending judgment and the impending doom. And the statement was made that if you do not under, if people do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not believe someone who has been raised from the dead. And here Jesus is saying, look, understand the prophets and Moses. And if you can understand them, then you'll understand that I have been raised from the dead and the truth about what I have done. And you can read that parable in Luke chapter 16. So here Jesus, at the end of his earthly ministry, is going through the Old Testament, explaining where he fits in. And it's also the way that he began his ministry as well. Think of whenever he went into the synagogue and he took the, the scroll of Isaiah and read it and then said, this prophecy has been fulfilled in your presence here today. And it's also what he did as a 12-year-old whenever he went to the temple and he started questioning uh, the high priests and the rulers and um, the, the teachers of the law in the temple. And he was questioning them about their understanding of the Old Testament. So this is what Jesus does. He takes the Old Testament and he not only fulfills the prophecies, but he reveals himself through the pages of it. 
Then we're told, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. This is not Jesus play acting here. He genuinely was going to continue if they had not asked him strongly to stay with them. In other words, Jesus doesn't impose himself on anyone. He only stays with those who want him, who invite him in, who desire more of him. And sometimes we don't have Jesus with us because we haven't asked him. We haven't orientated our hearts to him. We've been slow of heart in showing our affection and our desire to have him with us. But whenever we ask him to stay with us, he will. And he will reveal himself and he will tell us more and more about his kingdom, about his father and about how we fit into that kingdom. And we're told here that the disciples say to him, look, it's nearly evening. It's not quite evening, but it's nearly evening. It's heading to that stage. So look, you might as well stay with us. And that's significant because it still gives them time that once he has broken the bread and revealed who he is and then disappears from them, they then have time to get back to Jerusalem to tell the people there what they have seen and what they have heard. So again, let's just pause at the end of our time together today uh, and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray that we might not be foolish and that we might not be slow of heart. We pray that we might believe in who you are and that we might realise who you are and the things that you have done. Help us, Lord, to orientate our hearts towards you so that we're open to learning about you and finding out more about you. Help us, Lord, day by day to do things that will draw us closer to you. Help us to invite you into our lives rather than crowd you out. Lord, show us how we might make more room for you in our lives, that we might have more time for your word, that we might have more time uh, to spend with you, that we might be ready to listen and to learn. For Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.